Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Hello, everyone. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Sell Better Daily Sales Show. We are so glad that you are here. Uh, as you're kind of filtering in here, it usually takes a minute or two. Uh, we need, I don't know if you've seen me do this, you guys, but I need to see your wave. Like, what's your Zoom wave? Do you make it awkward like me with like the two hands? What's your wave? I was a big peace sign guy. Oh, okay, peace sign. I just kind of have a hand up. Oh, it's just, just kind of like a hand still up, hand. Like yeah, like yeah. <laughs> I love <Still> it. <laughs> yeah, very, very formal. Okay, welcome in everyone. As you are filtering in, let us know where you are dialing in from. We would love to see that. If you're new here, we do this show every single day. Um, you can check out the schedule of events at sellbetter.xyz or by scanning that. QR code on your screen right there. We want to give a huge shout out and a thank you to our fantastic partners, JB Sales, Buzz, Vidyard, Zoom Info, and Common Room today. Thanks for making this show possible. I am going to stick a link in the chat over here. We have a free sign up for Vidyard um, with some really cool resources for salespeople. If you're not using it for video calls already, check them out. But today, we're here to chat about cold outreach. You've arrived, the prospecting masterclass. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, I'm joined by two phenomenal guests, great friends, Tom and Jody. You guys, thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, same here, man. I'm really, I gotta get really happy. Still hand and the peace at the same time. <laughs> um. As we are going through today's agenda, I want to just do a quick poll, see who's in the room. You know the deal. Let us know who we're chatting to so we can make this specific to you as we go through. But today, we're going to talk about some cold email, some cold calls, and some social. I mean, what else could you really need when we're talking about cold outreach, right? direct mail. I don't know. You guys got any other things that you throw in there? Text messages? We'll we'll save that for the end maybe. Um, but I want to like as we're finishing up this poll, just curious you guys, what's your general outlook going into 2024 on cold messaging? Yeah, I'm going to kick us off. Yeah. Uh so there's obviously a lot of buzz right now from people talking about, you know, some of the emails that Google and, you know, all, all the email providers are sending and domain blocking and things like that. It's also been a really tough year in 2023 for just about every sales org and salesperson I speak with. Um, here's what I, here's all I know. I've met thousands, probably tens of thousands of, of salespeople of all varying success levels. And one of the most important factors, in my opinion, for the consistently successful people is that they know how to create their own pipeline. If they're an AE, they're not relying on their BDR. If they're a BDR or SDR, they know how to do it and make that part of their daily routine so that they can be top of the leaderboard and move on to whatever role they want next. Um, and uh, maybe sales leaders know how to do it uh, in a pinch if they need to. So to me, this is just a skill that people know they need to invest in uh, moving into 2024 because times are tight. And uh, pipeline isn't always full and, and you need to make it full. What do you think, Jody? Yeah, you know, I think that outbound prospecting is one of those things that's timeless. It's always going to be around in some way, shape, or form. 
And, you know, there's always going to be new technology. There's always going to be new things that help us to be better at that. But in 2024, it's going to be, you know, more important than ever to exercise those muscles of on your, on your, on your outbound skills, you know, um, like you were saying, Tom, the, you know, I think that the email scares, the AI tools that might be competing for your jobs, <laughs> these kind of things are going to have, you're going to have to level up your outbound ability in order to, you know, um, just remain relevant in some cases, you know, and, uh, but, uh, it still works. People want to be courted and knowing how they want to be courted and being really good at that um, will make you stand out for sure. I agree with a lot of your sentiments. The, the people that stand out are the ones that know how to do it, whether it's in a pinch, I like what you said there, or for, for leadership, or you know, um, not relying on what's in place, just getting out there and doing it. Manjeet, I think... Uh prospecting like Adele needs to be its whole on show, but we'll get back to that one. We could like tie it to song titles. I'm just saying. Um, Okay. We're going to go through kind of your top tips for each of these channels that we discussed. For everyone who's watching, feel free to screenshot. You'll also get the recording to your inbox, but I just want to start the conversation. Um, We'll start with the email. You guys want to start with email? Sounds good. Let's do it. Tom, you brought it up. It can be a spicy conversation right now. But um, Tom, do you mind sharing your problem prospecting formula? What does that look like? Yeah, sure. Why don't I, uh, do you want me to share my screen or do you want me to just kind of talk? Oh, yeah. And you know what? I have a link. Everyone can can take a peek to. Maria, do you mind dropping that link to Tom's problem prospecting formula? Cool. Uh, y'all can see this? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to show you a blank version, and then I'll show you a filled out version from a client. But here's the here's the TLDR. Most cold emails that I see are very me-centric. We're talking about the salesperson. We're talking about our company, the awards we won, the clients we have, how much revenue we have, the way this podcast that our CEO is featured on, whatever it is. Your prospects do not care about that, right? They care about their problems that they have that they are paid to solve every single day, right? That That's the main point of like what an executive is trying to do. They're trying to put out the most important fire. And so us as salespeople need to focus less on us and more on the prospect's problem. I think a lot of people would probably agree with that. And this is a tactical way that I teach people to do that. So in my experience, let me just walk you through the sheet. In my experience, usually we're selling to a couple different personas, right? So this could be, uh, you know, when I sold at Gong, there was a VP of sales. There was someone in RevOps, there was someone in an enablement, and maybe a sales manager. Each of these personas had a level. Are they above the line decision maker or below? What is in one sentence the problem that we solve for them? And there's probably two or three problems for each person that we solve. So again, let's use Gollum because a lot of people, salespeople probably know it. We could help with onboarding. We could help coach your B and C players to be like A players. And we can help when there's deal slippage. Right. And the way, if that's your problem, I'm going to talk about the product differently and I'm going to talk about the problem differently, but it's still the same product that's being sold. And then whenever these problems happen, there's symptoms to these problems. There's impacts, right? We're not hitting our revenue targets. If that happens, I might, as a VP of sales, get fired, uh, right? We might not get our next funding round. There's all these 
lingering implications to problems people have. That's why they want to solve them. And then hopefully your company has solved that problem before uh, and you can help tell a story around that. And so, um, yeah, it's easy with Gong uh, because, you know, or it might seem easy, but I like to pick out like a very random client of mine who sells to farmers uh, because what you're selling is probably not as as like odd as that. It's 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 selling to farmers that are literally on cold calls like while they're out in the you know fields and whatnot. Um, and it doesn't really matter what they fill out, but this just give you a sense of like how it looks when it is filled out of the personas, the problems. It's very crystal clear. So if I can go to Jody, if I'm trying to sell to him, and I know his problem as well or better than he does, he's gonna more likely trust me to at least hear me out on how I might be able to help, right? So uh, like Leslie said, we, we're, we're giving this resource to everyone so you can use it. Um, but this is the place that I would always start. Um, and when I can just get kind of like a hunter of like, who has this problem? If you don't have the problem, cool, I'm not gonna try to like force it and waste my time there. There's plenty of people who have your problem right now. Those are the people you wanna be spending time with on your emails and then you know for your calls and, and everything else. This is a really good way to like brain dump and put everything there and see what pieces of the puzzle you're missing, right? Because maybe you've got the first two pieces. And a lot of times, like I think about my sales career, especially first starting somewhere or as an SDR, BDR, you look at like the marketing sheets and you see your product and you see some outcomes, but like filling in the story in between and making it relatable to that person and not as much about your product. Like, I think it's a great way to get your brain on a piece of paper, do some some deep dive research there. Love it. The link is in the chat there from Sell Better if you guys want to take a peek and fill that in for yourself as well. Um, Jody, we had this awesome conversation in prepping for this, talking about like cold emails and how you kind of segment out different chunks of your email to look at data and make some data-driven decisions. Can you talk through just high level, like how you do that, why you do it, what you Absolutely. do? Yeah. So, you know, when you're when you're trying to understand the performance of your emails and what's resonating with your market. You, you start with some personalization that you think is going to really grab their attention, and and then you kind of might you might move to more of a scalable outreach and sending more than one at a time. And um, in order to be able to understand whether or not your email is performing effectively, one thing that I've kind of stumbled upon is really just looking at the breaking it up into really two chunks. You know, so and I can. I can also share my screen with you here and I'll, I, I, I put this together relatively quickly because I found something that was really working and helping me digest this information. It's pretty raw, but I feel like it could be really helpful for everybody else as well. So in order to be able to get an email opened, that's really going to boil down to the pretext and the subject line. So being able to have visibility to those two things and not a lot of the platforms out there allow you to be able to see it in a digestible form when you're looking at that. So I parse that out to be able to better understand what's the pretext that I'm looking at and what's the subject line and what's the performance of the open rate. And then for my reply rates, that's going to be the body and the, the call to action. So I also want to look at the call to actions on each email associated with the reply rates. Ultimately, we first have to get them opened and we need to get them replying to us. I 
personally don't necessarily care about clicks. Those are, you know, I don't, I don't, they don't really matter to me as much, but I do want them to be open and I do want them to reply to me. And so being able to see that is, you know, in a digestible format is a little bit better. So I'll share this with you briefly, and then I'll send out a, a usable format for you if you like. Awesome. Sorry, I, was I like thinking about it, like because sometimes you're looking at your response rates, but you're attaching it to the entire email, not just like the body or the call to action. So, like having it visible in a format where you can really break it out and think about, okay, what part is impacting what can make a big difference. Right. So basically, the way that this is broken down, you know, you have your you have your campaign information. Your open rates, delivery rates, how many you've sent here. The main thing that I'm really able to see from this document is how, you know, what what the replies were. And I'm able to associate that with a body message. And I have the call to action the call to actions here and the steps that took place. Again, it's a pretty simple <laughs> document. It's a pretty simple idea. But being able to see the pretext uh, and the subject line together, as well as the body and the call to action uh, here has allowed me to have better effectiveness when I don't see any replies happening so that I can make those adjustments and know where I need to make them. Open rates are really high. Sorry. Yeah. No, no. I was just going to say, so if you're seeing a high open rate, you're attributing that to subject line and pretext. But if you're not getting responses, you're taking a look at the body and the call to action. Right. And and, and obviously, I guess some common sense would, would tell you that that, that that does need to kind of uh, make sense and flow a little bit. You know, sometimes I see I see us create emails and the subject line has nothing to do with the, the body of the message or the pretext in a lot of ways. But I've also just seen some very weak call to action. So you've got some really good content up here. You've got them to open it. You've got some good messaging in there, but the, but the call to action's loose. It might say, you know, you might see something like, let's, you know, let me know if you're, let me know if you'd like for me to send you some information and that your brain kind of goes to a place of, okay, I'll let you know, (laughs) you know, uh, I'll maybe come back to this. Maybe your emails are getting saved, but. Having to, you know, being able to tighten those call to actions up uh, are going to get us more replies. Okay, super fast off the cuff, both of you. Favorite call to action to use at the end of an email? Worth a look. Worth. Uh, yeah. Open to a chat. Yeah. yeah. You guys can throw your favorites in the chat too if you want. Make sure it's on everyone and not just host and panelists, so we can all see what your favorite call to action is at the end of a cold email. But let's flip over to some cold calls. Um, Tom, I'll bring this up really quick. Pick pick one of your tips here and, and let's chat through it. Yeah, let's talk about uh, the inner game, which uh, I think really kind of encompasses even the second point. So uh, Jody's got some masterful tactical advice on cold calls uh, that is going to blow everyone's mind. And so I'm going to take this in a different uh, direction, which is the inner game, right? So we think about like the outer game and the inner game of sales, the outer game being, here's my cold call opener. Here's what I say when they, when they give me an objection. Here's how I ask for the meeting. 
the inner game is like, how, how are you feeling as a person during all of that? Because in my opinion, uh, if I'm cold calling Leslie uh, and I am on the other end of the phone praying she doesn't answer because like anyone else been there, I've, that, that was me. Uh, I don't care how good of a script you have. I don't care if your product is the most sellable thing ever. It's not going to resonate with Leslie. She can tell in the first three seconds that I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't believe in myself. I don't believe in the product. And she's not going to take the meeting. Um, and so when I think about the inner game, it's like we got to be feeling good because other people can feel that through the phone. 93% of communication is body language, tone, pace, energy. Only 7% are the words that we speak. So we need to be able to deliver something confidently, right? And so uh, before I even get into like tactics, I like to give people the advice of like, find a way to get yourself into a confident flow state, right? So there's, it's different for everyone. Like it's different for me, depending on the day. Some days I'll bump some young Jeezy for like five, 10 minutes. I'll get in like the zone. I'm like, I could do anything. I'm going to cold call someone right now. Other times I'm feeling a little more anxious. I might need to just take a couple box breaths, right? And I'll go in for four seconds. I'll hold, I'll go out for four seconds. I'll do that a couple times. And that's what uh, army snipers do when they're feeling tense, when they're about to, you know, pull the trigger and, and, you know, do something way more intense than a cold call. Right. So, uh, other people have like a mantra that they might write down and say to themselves, that gets them, them confident, or they might re-listen to a call where they were successful and get to do it that way. Right. So there's a lot of different, I'm just throwing these out as different examples, but to me, uh, if you're feeling reluctant, scared, don't want people to answer, discouraged from all the no's. Like the first step I would take is like, okay, let's evaluate like how are things going internally? Maybe you could listen to yourself on a few calls if they're recorded and try to objectively kind of see like how, how's my tone and, and my energy level on these. Um, and, uh, and then I'd get to the tactics after that. Really good. Love it. Got a lot of takes on, on young Jeezy in here, which I love. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh like there's something to be said just about like connecting. I I don't know. Does anyone really love hearing themselves on a recording? Oh, I love, love it. it. That's like my love favorite it. thing in the world. Yeah. To hear my voice. <laughs> just your own yeah. voice on repeat. I every time I hear it, I'm like, man, I, I think I need to get a nose job. I just sound too nasally. What? You know? <laughs> like I really I no. I I know. I, I just uh I can't stamp my voice when I listen to it back, you know, I but feel like that's common. Yeah. <laughs> I will say though, from a tactical standpoint, you know, when you're, when you're just talking about like improving your ability, there's nothing more powerful than listening to yourself on a recording. You're going to hear your, your tone will improve because then you'll, you really don't. I mean, here's the thing. If you can understand how to dissect a recording, and the things that you need to listen for, which isn't really in here, but focus on the opening of your call. Look and see, are you breaking the ice? Are they actually listening to you? You know, and then pay attention to the types of questions that you're asking and then pay attention to, did you go for the close? And how many times did you do that? It should be more than once, right? Good salespeople, you know, are going, you know, there's a way to be persistent without pestering somebody. And just because you don't take the first no and leave doesn't make you a, a overly persistent person or a pestery person. You don't, you, you know, so um, just being able to 
once you hear those things, you'll notice intricacies on your recordings that, you know, I need to inflex my voice a little bit. To Tom's point, I don't sound happy. <laughs> you know, what can make me happy? Do something that makes you happy. You know, um, I pay people. I want to repeat that back real yeah. quick. Like, I yeah, think yeah. it's so important. The things that you said in terms of like what to listen for in your own recordings, you're opening first in terms of tone, what you're saying. Are they listening? Are they connecting with you? The types of questions that you're asking. And then if you're going for the close, I think that's like, such an awesome checklist to go through. For sure. Beautiful. Um, you have three C's and four P's. Uh, which one do you want to hit up? If you can only you know, it's all about today. The, it's, it's all about the C's and the P's. You know, um, if I only had to pick one today, I'd probably go with the power P's for sure. Let's do it. I'm going to put it up here. You guys can screenshot, but Jody, tell us what we're looking at. Yeah, yeah. So the, the power P's of prospecting, there's actually 10 that I that I really harp on, but there's four that we call and refer to as the power P's of prospecting. These usually happen on just about every, every cold call. Again, going back to those recordings, number one is pattern interrupts. So these should be happening on every call. You need to sound different if you want to get into conversation. So are you interrupting patterns in your opening, you know? And so if you typically say, Hey, how's your day going? A lot of people say that that is a pattern that people are now programmed to hear. Okay, I'm in a cold call. That's not the state that you want your prospect to be in. And so choose something different other than how's your day going? I've seen some great spins to that with how have you been? That's a great choice to, to, to curve that behavior of how are you today? Right. Um, you know, uh, Parrot and paraphrase go hand in hand, so they don't kind of they, they 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 make up one. There's you sh you know this is something that you might have heard Chris Voss speak to at times, you know, where he talks about mirroring and labeling, and so when you these are things that that can help you overcome objections, and this is going to get your prospect talking once they start to give you answers from the questions that you asked. It'll help you to dig a little bit deeper and get more information. And our job at least you know, at the beginning of a sale, is to collect information. It's to get information so that we can be more compelling when we decide to present our value proposition, right? And so parrot and paraphrase is just repeating back the last three words that you've heard or paraphrasing what you've heard. Sounds like, feels like, seems like. These are ways that, these are, these are um, uh, ways that you can get into more information, right? Pain scaling is probably one of my favorite techniques that actually comes from Daniel Pink. I gave it a name, pain scaling, because it just, anytime you get presented with a competitive solution, we already have something in place, you know, uh, any, there's really a lot of instances where you can pain scale, but okay, so how happy are you with what you currently have, maybe on a scale of one to 10, for example? It's not threatening. A lot of people want to uncover pain by saying, if you had a magic wand and you could wave it, what's your perfect world feel like? And those kind of things. And I think it's harder for people to imagine a magic wand because we don't have one and the easy, but really doesn't exist. And so, you know, you know, on a scale of one to 10 though, they're, they're used to being asked that from a doctor and they, 
the key to this technique is when they give you an answer, six, seven. Okay. Why not an eight? That's where all, that's where you go in your brain. And now all of a sudden they just start giving you all of the pain. And some people can pick up on that, especially if you're, you know, to Tom's point, if you haven't taken those breaths, if you haven't listened to your music, you know, then the, the, your execution in that might have come off a little scripted or whatever the case may be. And you'll get some resistance. You'll, you'll, you might hear something like, you know what, we're, you know, we're mostly happy. And you can play in that conversation a little bit. They're still going to talk to you about why they're happy yeah, on a scale. And then you can always come back to that and reserve that scale of one to 10 to continue the dialogue and dig deeper with pain. You'll get it though. I, it's, it's very rarely failed me uh, to be able to get that. And the last piece is to pressure release. Anytime you're going for a next step where you're trying to execute your call to action, Taking the pressure off the prospect a little bit makes it a lot easier and smoother to be able to get the outcome that you're looking for. And so a lot of the ways that I'll package that, it's going to sound like um, after I've collected some pain, obviously, after I've had dialogue and I have some bullet points to be able to present back to them, you know, based off what you've told me, this, that, and the other, you know, it sounds like that you know, there's a lot that we could take away from one another, honestly. Let me suggest this. That's that's the pressure release statement. Let me suggest this. Now, when you're suggesting that, you're kind of taking the pressure off of them to suggest something and they're allowed now now they're able to just follow your lead. And so now you've taken the prospect on a journey where where now they can follow your lead into a place. And I like to I like to refer to shopping experiences. When you, when you go to buy, when you're in a store and somebody comes up to you and they want, they want, they want to give you an opportunity to shop, you know, we want to be buyers. All of us do, you know, we just don't want to be sold something all the time. Now as salespeople, we might be a little bit more okay with that, but most of our prospects don't want to be closed, but they love to buy. So put them in a buying, you know, a state of mind. When you walk into a clothing store, what brings you in today? Uh, are you looking for anything in particular? And they'll guide you and then they'll leave you and go check on somebody else and they'll let you shop a little bit, right? And so let me suggest this. It's just taking somebody to another rack. And and so it takes the pressure off of somebody to feel like they're being closed and you'll get more meetings if you're able to package, package up your pain scaling, use that pressure release. Yeah, it's not you have to have this. It's your right. suggestion. You may or yeah. may not like it. It feels like the pressure release, just like you mentioned. I feel like there's like three types of people when it comes to pain scales. And I got to know where you guys fall and everyone play along, right? So like if you have a choice of five, every there's like the people who go to the middle every single time and their answer is always three. There's people who like nothing can ever be perfect and nothing can ever be terrible. So they're always going to stay in that middle zone. And then there's like the absolutes. Where do you guys fall? Are you middle, the maybes or the absolutes? <laughs> do you know? Do you know where you are? Personally, I think that I, you know, I always think that there's room for improvement. Yeah. I think that nothing is, uh, it's just something I've learned. I see these great, awesome software products and i'm like now when i buy them i'm like there's going to be something that i don't like 
Always. Oh, there's always it. Yeah. <laughs> right. So nothing's perfect. So that would be me. Tom, are you an absolute guy? No, I'm a, I'm like, a, I think most people, in my experience, most people, like if you ask them like one to five, it's a three, one to 10, it's a seven, because that's a safe, comfortable answer. It's like, I don't want to give you too much here, Leslie. So I'm just going to give you a seven because it's like, it's pretty good, but it's not that good. But like, you can, it maybe it could be better, but like, I'm okay. So like, I got my guard up. And then once we start talking, then I'll probably more realistically tell you like what, where I'm at. Right. I have like multiple, you know, like any of those tests where there's multiples, I start thinking, I'm like, am I going too many in the middle? Do I need to go more? Like, do I need to be more strong in my opinions? Anyway, maybe it's just me. Quick point on that. If that's, if I, if I could. Yeah. Sometimes you're going to get people that are going to say, you know, nine, 10, everything's perfect. Nine, 10. Right. And that's usually an indication that you didn't break the ice. And so if you go back and you listen to the call, you'll hear that they were never connected with you in the first place. Mm-hmm. So when you get those nine to 10, just understand that like, you know, and, and some people are truly happy and they just don't want your solution. But I would encourage you when you get the nine to 10, go back and listen to how you open. Listen to the types of questions that you asked, because it's usually you didn't start the call off right. And the way that I recover from that is I'll actually call it out. I'll actually say, wow, the only people that give me nine to 10 are people that don't want me to be on the phone with them, you know, because <laughs> nothing's perfect. Right. You know? Yeah. And I'll usually say something like that and I'll call it out and they'll usually give me something that's actually genuine at that point. They'll usually say, no, you're fine, but we've used this solution for a long time and I've compared it against many different things and we're not ever going to change it, you mm-hmm. know? You know, so. get a, a better answer. I also really get a better answer. Yeah, him in the chat here, saying like, give give me on a scale from one to ten, but it can't be a seven. It's a little pattern interrupt That's there. Good. I thought that That's was really good. good. That is disruptive. That's good. Let's chat about social for a moment. We'll focus on LinkedIn, but I think like a lot of these could be used other places. Um, but either way, someone who wants to start. I'll, 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 you know, Tom has been starting off. I'll, I'll, I'll jump in here. Uh, you know, I think that when you're, when you're looking at social selling, you have passive and you have active forms of social selling, right? And so some passive, uh, prospecting or social selling is going to be, you know, some of your, some of your posts, uh, you know, it's going to be, um, commenting on other people's posts. It's going to be, you know, uh, you know, it's going to be, uh, uh, connecting with, connecting with people. Right. And, and then you're going to have more of your active, uh, your active prospecting. This is where you're really kind of, um, honing in. And one of the things that I like to do when I'm really, really kind of trying to target and is, is I'll look for people that might follow Leslie, for example, because, you know, people like her stuff more than mine. I'm not really good at, you know, content that, that that's just not my, I'm not there yet. I'm going to get there though. You know, uh, <laughs> my strength is obvious is cold calling, honestly, but I'm not going to give up on my content creation, you know, and I need it to come from me. So it's more genuine, you know, just, just food for thought. But Leslie has some great prospects that might 
that might um, come into her feed. And so I might suggest, hey, you know, if you liked Leslie's post here, you might also like X, Y, and Z. These can give me, you know, so on LinkedIn and different social channels, you're going to have intelligence that you can gather from the people that are active on the platform. And so you can find prospects that way. That's more targeted. And I find that to be a little bit more active. Uh, the other things are going to be more active is your direct messages to people or your emails or, or ways that you can be more direct, but it's important even though, you know, I'm probably a really good example of somebody that uh, knows that this isn't my strength, knows that LinkedIn is not necessarily my strength, but I'm going to work at it until it becomes a strength of mine, you know? And um, and so, yeah, that's, that's a little bit on passive. I like it. Tom, you want me to bring this back up again? Here we go. Yeah. Can I... Uh... Should I do both of these or just one of these? I think they go together, but I really want to hear about the green bubble method yeah. that you've got going. All right. Let me, can I share my screen? I'm going to be vulnerable with this crew because I love oh, yeah. and uh, I'm going to bring up my real LinkedIn data. So don't like, I don't know. Getting wild. So real quick, I'll just touch on save searches super quick. Uh, if, if all you're doing is you know using LinkedIn, shout out to my friend Chris Orlov, his post there, uh, or just using sales nav and kind of using this feed, uh, you're using five to ten percent of what what you could. So just really quickly, I would highly recommend creating saved searches. So this is going to the lead filter and creating search criteria that fit great prospects of yours, right? So this could be as simple and like broad as I'm looking for VPs of sales um, in the U.S. Uh, at companies more than 500 employees, right? And you can create that and you can save it. And, uh, and then LinkedIn will, will give you a notification every week when new people meet that criteria. If you're doing a big sequence, um, you know, that might be interesting to you, right? Uh, or, or probably, and uh, you can create very targeted ones. So you could look at VPs in the Milwaukee area at companies, you know, 11 to 50 that used to work at Salesforce, right? There might be one person or two people, and maybe that fits your criteria for some reason, but that's going to be a very targeted call and uh and and there's got to be some reason for why you're going that targeted but you know i used to go for hey they used to work at a company that is a customer of ours and now they're at a company in my territory there's not that many there's maybe like a dozen but that's such low hanging fruit because they probably used my product before and have a really good experience and um they went to a new company and, and i want to try to bring my my solution over there so i could talk all day about safe searches but you other people have probably talked about that on sell better so this new trick that i learned i actually want to give some some credit to uh, samantha mckenna who taught me this last week but this is my real linkedin profile uh so again don't shame me but you can see right here i got this green bubble filled in which means that i am active on linkedin right now and for the people that are struggling to hit quota and you're trying to reach executives you know when executives are probably not on LinkedIn is like right now, Wednesday at like noon. They're probably in one of their 10 Zoom meetings of the day. You know when they might be on email, LinkedIn, and like doing some quiet prep work? Like Sunday morning, Sunday evening. Uh, and I'm not saying everyone's got to work Sunday morning, Sunday evening. But if you're in a pinch and you're trying to hit quota, maybe you take an hour from the normal work week and you put it on like Sunday at 5 o'clock p.m. and you go here. 
and you type in like I sell a prospecting boot camp, right? So like you could like find a word that might be a little, you know, you use in your messages in your sales messages. Let's just say it's boot camp. I go in here, I see everyone that I said boot camp to, and I'm looking, I'm hunting, I'm hunting. Boom, green bubble, Joe. Shout out to Joe, Franz, Jacqueline, Matt, right? So if I'm using the same message, I can see Jacqueline's online right now and I've already messaged her about the bootcamp. This could be a time for me to just give her a little nudge and there's probably not many people in her world reaching out to her at this specific time, especially if it's like an odd hour. And uh, so I've been using that. Shout out to Sam, Samantha McKenna for teaching me that. And, uh, you know, it, it works and uh, not everyone's going to be online. But uh, if you're if you're behind and feel like you need to catch up somehow, uh, it's a good little tip. I love it. Love it. Um, if you guys. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying I was just agreeing. That is really good. Um, but since I do have the mic for just a second, I didn't realize that you were shouting out Tim Donovan. Tim Donovan is an excellent human being and an incredible sales guy. If you haven't connected with Tim Donovan, you all should connect with him. I didn't realize that was the Tim Donovan. So the, shout out to Tim Donovan. The Tim Donovan. Tim Donovan. He's, a, he's really good. <laughs> Sorry. Um, if you have any questions, you can put them in the Q&A. You can also upvote other people's um, questions in there. So if you want to stick something in there, if you want to hear one of those answered, you can give it a thumbs up in there. I do want um, Tom... You also have like this four-step prospecting. I would love to just brief chat through and then we'll try to answer a couple questions here. So like super high level, yep. when you're prospecting, this is your plan? Yeah, so let me just make a quick comparison. Prospecting to exercise. I think it's two things we know we need to do, but we probably don't want to do and probably don't enjoy doing uh, a super lot in the actual moment. But it's important, right? So if I take the workout context, if I said, hey, Jody, I'm trying to get in better shape and I'm going to start working out. He'd be like, cool, Tom. But I said, hey, Jody, I just signed up for Orange Theory. I'm going to do the 7 a.m. class three days a week. Uh, will you be my accountability buddy? Uh, I'm leaving my clothes out the night before. I'm setting my alarm on my phone across the room so I don't snooze. And by the way, let's grab an iced latte after to celebrate uh, ourselves and uh, that we did some good work, right? 10 out of 10 times, I'm going to be more likely in the second scenario. So, I do the same thing with prospecting because we're busy as salespeople. Uh, there's there's resistance to prospecting, especially if you're an account executive and you know are closing deals and stuff. So uh, this is what I do. I prep who I'm going to call and email the night before. So when it's time to email and when it's time to call, that's all I'm doing. I'm focused on that one task and that time slot. I block my calendar. I make it one of the most important meetings of the day. If for some reason I need to switch it because my CEO or a customer meeting comes up, That'll happen sometimes. Cool. Where can I change the calendar invite my day to still make sure I get it done? Um, the third thing is I block off distraction. So my Slack is silenced. My phone's on do not disturb. I'm not checking my email messages. And I might even tell my boss, yo, I'm, I'm locked in for the next hour. If you need me urgently for some reason, you can call this number. Otherwise, I'll get back to you in an hour. So they get off your back and understand that you're doing some like really proactive work. And then the most neglected part is I give myself a reward. I've got a golden retriever. If I don't want him to pee indoors, I give him a treat when he pees outside. We're a little smarter than dogs, but not that much. We can actually uh, rewire our brain to not hate doing things as much when we reward ourselves. So like, if I do something tough, 
I'll go make a cup of coffee. I'll take a walk. I'll pet my dog. I'll scroll Instagram for five minutes. Whatever it is to like let my mind know like, hey, it's a dopamine hit. And like we just did something that was hard and scary and we accomplished it. It's going to make me not as resistant the next time I try to do it. So that's my my quick hitter on on how I do that and make prospecting a habit I could do every day. It's so true. Like there's so many there's so many things that say that this is something that's going to put it more into your brain that you're like following these steps. You're way more likely to achieve it. Do you have it written out somewhere too? Like, is this like, I feel like you could make a poster. <laughs> could make a poster. I don't, I don't have a next poster. Next time. But. Next time. Maybe I still am. Okay. So a couple questions out of the chat, rapid fire, um, pretext in the context of a cold email. Anyone want to grab that? You want me to? Define pretext. That Define pretext. Oh yes, yeah. So pretext is the uh, it's whatever you're, you know, you're gonna have a, your subject line will show up whenever somebody's looking at an email, either from your phone or in your inbox. You're gonna have you're gonna be able to see the subject line, and then there's some messaging that goes after that subject line. That's called pretext, and so you want to know how much of that they're seeing, what it is that they're seeing. Uh, and that way you can better connect the subject line to the text that they're seeing in their um, inbox. I, I I don't know if I did a good job. <laughs> yeah, no, that's <laughs> perfect. It's just okay. that tiny little blip of what appears after the subject line as like yep. a preview of your email. Perfection. Okay. Um, what do the second and third email look like if your initial cold email doesn't get answered? Do either of you have like a formula that you go about for that? Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Jody. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's good. So uh, usually I'll use the problem to dictate the emails I'm sending. So I might send, if I have two or three problems, I'm probably going to send about three emails per problem to the prospect. So the first one I send to Jody might be that typical one that I, I mentioned. Then I might send him a targeted bump. So it's not just like, Jody, you know, any thoughts or what do you think of my above email? I'll use context from the research I did. So like, if I if I might, I might say, hey, Jody, given that you're hiring eight SDRs, you know, any feedback on or any thoughts on you know, any challenges you might have with with uh, onboarding them, right? So it's like, it's one line, it's one sentence, it's a pattern interrupt, but it's more context and personalized than just like, hey, any thoughts? Um, and then, you know, the third one I might do, you know, I might have a similar message as the first one, but I might put it in a video. Uh, or I might tell a customer story, or I might try to say in a different context, but usually I'll send two to three and then I'll go to the next problem because that one didn't land. Cool. Let me try another problem with Jody, um, and that's how I typically do it. Beautiful. That's good. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, yeah, so, you know, you have you have kind of the opener, and then you have, uh, you know, in terms of the next emails. To, uh, I like what Tom said. It depends on the problem, you know. But, uh, you know, bringing more upfront value to the next message that you sent. And then, you know, uh, I've seen some really cool tidbits just from different folks. Uh, my friends at Pointer, you know, uh, had a really good uh, note to use PS and always give a little piece of value away for free at the end of your 
at the end of your emails. Um, the third email, I do like to have some type of value that I'm that I'm bringing, uh, some type of giveaway, uh, and and obviously I like a breakup message. I tend to see a lot of uh, leads from the breakup message, and there's a there's actually a post I'm gonna I'm gonna share it here. Uh, that Barbara Nunes kind of broke it down and she has a really good little uh, framework here on the email type, the purpose and the key and the best practices that are kind of in a, very much in alignment with with what I like here. So I'll, I'll, I'll put that. Perfect. Oh, can you switch that to chat to everybody? We'll get you that post. You guys, all of this information has been so good and given me some ideas of things that I'm going to take into prospecting in 2024. We're also going to drop um, links to Jody and Tom here so you can connect with them as well. Um, and I know that it's, someone had asked earlier about prospecting lists and lists on LinkedIn. Tomorrow's show, same time, same place, is hyper-relevant prospecting lists. So I'll put you a link um, for that in the chat here as well if you want to check that out. But you guys, thank you so much for sharing your time, your wisdom, all of this great information. I hope everyone got a little something that they can take <laughs> into their prospecting for next year. Happy cold calling, cold emailing, cold socialing. Happy all of the things. <laughs> happy holidays. Yeah. Happy, happy. Happy, happy. See you guys later. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us.